Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra, for reminding all of us that our Lord fights our battles. Amen? And so if you're trying to fight your battles on your own, you're probably not going to do a very good job. But if you allow the Lord to fight for you, you know, he's promised us victory. We've got to believe that and let him get us through the storm. You know, God doesn't always deliver us from the storm, but he's promised us he'll always be with us in the storm, right? And so you can count on that. He'll fight our battle. So God bless you today. Thank you for being here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church this morning. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Lindsay Lane. You're in the right place this morning. So thank you for joining us. We have people joining us by live stream. We have our contemporary service, Brother Allen Ostrisky's over there leading that service now as they're watching us by video. And so I want to welcome our contemporary service as well. But thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing right here in our midst, right here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. So thank you for praying for these services, and thank you for getting involved, as we talked about in our vision. You know, we just uh, left uh, August, and we got through with our vision, catch the vision. Many of you are catch, caught the vision, and a lot of you are catching the vision. So thank you for doing that. Part of that vision will be tonight. On Sunday nights, we're starting classes of discipleship and leadership. Uh, Andy, John, and I will be teaching tonight at 545. We'll be teaching a, a class on effective leadership, how to be a leader. So maybe you've been thinking about, hey, I want to be a leader. I need to be a leader. God's calling me to be a leader. It could be just be a leader of your family. Uh, leadership principles. So we're going to be talking about leadership principles tonight at 545 and continuing our vision of discipling our church. So we have D groups tonight going on. Our young people are in D groups. So a lot of you are in D groups and a lot of you at choir practice and all those types of things tonight. But at 545, you want to join Andy, John, and I. We would love to help all of us as leaders and becoming leaders in our families, in our churches, in our organizations, in our communities. All of these leadership principles are the same principles. So we're going to talk about that tonight in continuing our vision here at Lindsay Lane. I'm excited to get back to our series. As you can see by the sign behind me, I'm ready to get back in the book of Revelation. And I hope you are as well. So uh, we've been talking about that for the last several weeks. This is message number 10 in our series of Revelation. And I'm excited about that. Now, in chapter 1 of Revelation, we saw where the gospel writer John talked about the life of Jesus. In chapter 1 of Revelation, he introduces us to who Jesus really is. And by the way, on Wednesday nights, I'm starting in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, the epistle of John. And I, I got through the first four verses last Wednesday night. He's doing the same exact thing. John always talks about Jesus. That's why Jesus called him the disciple that Jesus loved. Because he had a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we saw in Revelation chapter 1 that he spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ, who he really is. And then in chapter 2 and 3, we taught on the seven churches of Asia Minor. In both of those chapters, chapter 2, chapter 3, we looked at the seven churches, how Jesus, if you will, judged those seven churches of condemnation and commendation to those. And then we went to chapter 4, and we looked at the th throne room of heaven. Remember that? John introduced us to the throne room of heaven. And we saw what it's going to be like. And then we went to chapter 5, and John introduced us to the scroll. There was only one person who could take the scroll and unleash the seven seals. And so Jesus was the one. And so in chapter 6 through 19, we're going to see the unleashing of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bold judgments. All of these are judgments of God on planet earth. Hallelujah, we won't be there. 
We'll be already raptured up before the great tribulation comes. I'm a pre-trib, if you will. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the Bible is very clear on that, that the church in 2 Thessalonians is raptured up, and then comes the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. So in chapter 6 through chapter 19, we're going to be looking at the great tribulation period. It's going to be a horrendous, awful time of devastation and destruction right here on planet earth. And so how are we to understand that? How are we, how are you and I to understand how a loving, gracious, giving God can destroy the earth and all the people who are left here? How are we to comprehend that? So before I get into chapter six through 19, and before we begin to look at these judgment of the seals, of the bowls, of the trumpets, we're going to have a hard time understanding those if we don't understand who God really is and we don't understand God's justice and God's judgment. So what I want to do today, I want to try to help me and I want to try to help you as best we can in the time that we are allotted, which is not much, but I want to help us to try to understand God's heart, who he is, his love. But I want us to understand the God of justice and the God of judgment. You must understand that before you dive into chapter 6 through 19 of Revelation. And so I really thought about that and prayed before I dive into chapter 6. I want to lead us today in that subject. So I want to ask God to bless us. Father, would you bless the preaching of your word? Lord, we're right here today to assemble ourselves together. And Lord, we would admit we don't always understand your ways and your thoughts. They're above us. But Lord, I pray today that you would open up my understanding and our understanding to your word. That you would speak your truth into our heart to help us really try as best as we can in our finite minds to understand you, who you are, and to understand that you're a just and righteous God. You're a loving God, but you're also a God of judgment because you're true to your word. You're true to the justice that you prevail among us here on planet earth. So Lord, speak to our hearts mightily would be my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This coming Tuesday marks the 17th anniversary of 9-11. Do you know that? This coming to you, 17th anniversary of 9-11. You remember 9-11, don't you? You remember the devastation that the Islamic terrorists came in those twin towers? And do you remember 3,000 souls went into eternity? It's one of the greatest, if not the greatest disaster we've ever experienced in the United States of America. And so what happened on that day? It was Tuesday morning. I was getting ready to study. I'll never forget it. And Patsy said something about the TV was on, and we began to listen, and we saw it and began to watch like you did as it unfolded right before our eyes. It was a horrendous devastation. And so we've been kind of recognizing that ever since. In these 17 years, we kind of remember what happened in 9-11. But you remember what happened? You remember George W. Bush, our president? You remember that he went before the people? You remember what he said? We're going to bring justice to those who did these horrendous crimes. You know what America said? Amen. We're behind you, President. We want to bring justice and judgment upon those who committed those awful sins 
and we believed and we really wanted the judgment for those who done our nation wrong. Amen? I did, didn't you? We wanted them brought to judgment, to judge justice and judgment. And so now, think about it from God's perspective. Now, if that's what we wanted, what about God? What about when we violate God's principles? What about when you and I sin against God? How is God to bring justice and judgment on us? How is God to bring his wrath down on us when we violate his people, when we violate his word, when we violate one another? So say, if you think, do you think about that? And everybody says, oh, he's a loving God, kumbaya. And he is. And I am. You're a loving person. You, you love God and you love others, but you wanted those brought to judgment. And so God's going to bring those into judgment that sin against him and have not asked for his repentance and have not received his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to be a terrible day when we see the wrath of God unfold as we look into Revelation 6 through 19. But I want to try to help us today to really understand from God's perspective of justice and judgment. Just like you and I want justice in our own lives. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment and justice. Amen? All right. Now, the Bible says in Psalms 9, 7, and 8, the Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equality. Now, look at that. Uh, he's fair and balanced, if you will. Psalms 50, verse 6 says this. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Now, watch this in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So, how are you and I to understand what Paul wrote in Romans twelve nineteen? How am I to understand, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. I'm going to repay. Trust me, let me repay those who committed those horrible crimes against us in uh, 9-11. Trust me, I will repay. I'm a God of justice. Vengeance is mine. And here's why. If we take vengeance in our own hands, we're no better than the ones we're trying to Really bring wrath on, right? Now, not in a justice sense, but if I'm doing it out of vengeful heart, then am I really any better? And so I have to let God fight my battles, as we just sang. Choir just sang, right? Let him fight my battles. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's really hard to do. Easy preaching, hard living. But Jesus said, God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. How do we understand that? Here's the answer. And Christians are to exercise faith in the providence of God and certainty of his judgment. I'm to exercise my faith in the providence of God that he's going to take care of things 
And also, I've got to have faith in the raft of his judgment that he's going to take care of those who sin against us and whatever. All right? Now, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. As I begin to prepare this message and I begin to think about God's judgment, there's no better place to look than the Bible and see how God judged his own people, Israel. Right? God loves Israel. God's got a plan and a purpose for Israel. He loves them. But God judged them. God exercised his justice upon the nation of Israel. So if you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. I'll give you a moment to get there because I want you to follow this. There's a lot of scripture I could use or references I could use on this, but I really believe this really helps us. Now, if you're in chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, look in verse 18. Just going to pass. Verse 18. Of the capital R, rock. That's God. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful. In other words, Israel had rebelled against the rock, against God. And so God's bringing judgment and justice. And you have forgotten the God who fathered you. Right? Now look over in verse 28. Verse 28. For they are a nation void of counsel. Nor is there any understanding in them. By the way, does that sound like us in the 21st century? We've kind of got a void of God's counsel and we just don't really understand. And we've got such apathy we don't really care about God. And that's where Israel was. They'd gotten into idolatry and rebelled against God. And watch this, verse number 29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider the latter end the end times the latter days oh i wish they would consider what's coming now if you will look over in verse 35 i'm kind of skipping i want you to watch this what you need to read this whole chapter it's the song of moses by the way watch this verse 35 vengeance is mine and recompense in other words i'm going to repay vengeance is mine there it is their foot shall slip in due time. Now he's speaking about Israel's enemies. Those who, and by the way, did you know that God will use enemies to execute his judgment? He uses devil. And he'll use your enemies to bring judgment as he did on Israel. And he's speaking to that. Watch verse 35. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. That's judgment day, by the way. Watch this. And the things to come hasten upon them. Now, watch what verse 36 says, because God's a God of justice and wrath and judgment, but he's also a God of grace and mercy. Look what he says to Israel. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone... They're desperate for him. And there is none, no one remaining, bond or free. He will say, well, now where are your gods? Little g, the little r, the rock in which they sought refuge other than God. What are you seeking refuge in today other than God? What's your little g? What's your little r? Is it your money? Is it your talent? Is it your treasure? What are you seeking other than big G, God? Watch it. 
Where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you and be your refuge. Whatever your faith is in other than God, let it help you. And I'll ask people all the time, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? When they call you. By the way, this is why you need to be a consistent, faithful Christian. When their ox is in the ditch, who are they going to call? You. They won't listen to you now when you witness to them and when you try to buy them to church and come to Jesus. They're not listening now. But I'm telling you, all my friends, they're coming a time they will listen. And they're going to call you. And they're going to say, help me. Help me. And that's your opportunity. That's why you got to be faithful, consistent as a Christian. So they will call you. And so they're, and God said, hey, now how's that working for you? Now let's, watch verse 39. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there anyone who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven, and I say as I live forever... If I sharpen my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will repay those who hate me. And by the way, that's called tribulation. And we're going to see that in chapter 6 through 19. God's going to repay those who hate him who rebelled against him, who won't receive his son that he sent to die on the cross. They won't have nothing to do with God or his son or his church. God's going to say, I'm going to repay them, and I'm going to bring judgment upon them. You know what? As I study this, I believe that's pretty fair. Probably more than fair. Because, by the way, you ought to do us the same way. But you know what he says? I have compassion on my people, on those who believe in me and trust in me through my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome that we can be forgiven. But those who don't have any part of Christ, our God, they're going to go through hell, literally, before they go to hell. And so we're going to see all of this, and I want you to be prepared for that. I really do. You see, in this text, even, even the enemies of God, God used to bring judgment on his people. And during the end times, he's going to grant grace and mercy to those who, who say, God, forgive me, I've sinned against you, and I rebelled against you, and he has, and he will. Here's a great statement. I wrote this statement. Watch this. It is applicable. We continue to witness daily. A devastating decline in morality and godly values, as well as a rise in hatred and evil within our nation and our world. Just like Israel, this sinful world stands guilty of rejecting God's divine revelation of himself. Because of this sinfulness of man's abandonment of God, the world will reap the consequences of its sin, therefore inviting Judgment of the hand of God. This will eventually lead to the final wrath and judgment of God upon the entire world. 
And that's the great tribulation we're going to be studying in Revelation 6 through 19. Now, here's the truth in your outline. I hope you take your outline, make some notes. As Christians, we profess to believe and belong to God. Therefore, we are under God's divine justice of judgment and truth. But we're also, don't forget this, we're also under God's grace as a Christian, right? By grace. And by the way, don't you just love Romans 8 and 1? There is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, when God starts pouring out his wrath on planet earth, and he, you know what he sees us? He sees the red blood of Christ over us. There is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how you're saved. That's how you're delivered. That's how you get to know the big R, rock, and the big G, God, is through Christ. I hope you know him today. Here's another truth I would put in your outline. God always blesses obedience. I believe that. I go to my grave on that. God always blesses obedience. But he cannot and will not go against his word to bring judgment on disobedience. The consequences of sin, even though as a Christian, we can experience consequences of our sin. David's a perfect example. God forgave him. He had an affair, all of these things. He was the king of Israel, and God forgave him, and yet the consequences was his four sons. Well, they went through and all of those kind of things. So there's always consequences for sin, but God delivers us from sin's damnation and sin's wrath. But there's times we have to suffer consequences, even in this life. And so uh, we'll be delivered. So with all of that said, I, I give you that background to really get into this meat. And I want you to follow with me. There's three things I want to give you today to help us understand in God's justice and God's judgment called the tribulation. Number one, the prophecy of Jesus. Now let's fast forward to the New Testament and look with me in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is prophesying. Even Jesus himself is prophesying of the tribulation period. He gives us great red-letter insight into the tribulation period that's coming. Now, let's see what he said. This is the prophecy of Jesus. Now, watch this in verse number, chapter 24. Look in verse 3. And I'm going to read this. I want you to follow with me, okay? Let's read it together. Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming or of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And when you hear preaching like this and you study prophecy, you better be very careful who you're listening to. Just don't let anybody deceive you about the end time prophecies. There's a lot of speculation out there. One reason I don't do a lot of prophesying and speak a lot on prophecy because it's a lot of speculation involved in it. And what I give you is what I believe the Word of God is saying to me and saying to you. But you need to study the Scriptures to see what God's saying to you and how you interpret this Bible. That's a very good place to say amen. It really was. Now, you'll get the next one, I'm sure, all right? All right. All right, now watch. Look, look what Jesus says. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will deceive many. We've seen that in our own day, like David Caress and some of those Jim Jones dudes. You know, they started out and then they started saying, hey, I am the Christ. 
Jim Jones said it very clearly. I am Jesus. He's not. He wasn't. But 900 people drank the Kool-Aid. Amen? So be careful. Watch this. What's Jesus saying? And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And by the way, we hear that every day. There are still in that. As long as we're on this earth, there's going to be war. There's going to be war. As long as we're on this earth, there's going to be war. And I'm going to share next week, there's a misconception we got about end time and how all that destruction's coming. And I'm going to share with you, the first three and a half years, there's not going to be any war. It's going to be peace. But it's not God's peace. Can I get a witness? Just stay with me. Stay with me. I'm excited. I'm studying. For a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He said, oh, you can see all these wars and all these things come to pass. It's not the end yet. Nation's going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing that even today. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Almost every day we hear about an earthquake. Eric was telling about there's an earthquake, a big one, six point something in Ecuador. Just recently. And look at Hawaii, the floods, and California, and all the fires. All of these things are God's judgment on earth. It's winding down. It's winding down. Even planet earth. All right? And these are the beginning of sorrows. Oh, my. This is just the beginning, Jesus said. We're seeing some of this kind of stuff even today. Little signs of things that's going to happen per se to an ultimate degree greater than we're seeing now in the tribulation. Now watch this, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. By the way, all the, all the disciples were martyred except John. Right? Every one of them except John. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. All right? Now, they will hate you, and you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Duh! 21st century... You're going to be hated for my name's sake, Jesus. And watch this, verse 10. And many will be offended. And that's the mantra of today. Let's don't offend anybody. Right? Many are going to be offended. Many are going to be offended about Jesus. And we'll betray one another. One will hate one another. There's many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. The love of many is going to grow cold, and because lawlessness will abound. Now, verse 13, But he who endures, endures, endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, which Pastor Dusty is preaching, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end is going to come. I thank God for our missions endeavors here at Lindsay Lane. We're trying the best we can by your support. And by the way, listen to me. On November the 4th, we're having our GIC, Global Impact Celebration. And we're going to be able to support missionaries as we support the faith commitment offering, which we call it the come to march to the chest offering. As much as we get in that offering, we're going to be able to support missionaries and send them out into the world so they can share this gospel until the end comes. So I'm just reminding you, November the 4th, amen, we'll be having faith commitment offering to help our missionaries. You'll see them in here. They're coming from everywhere. It's going to be a grand day for our church on November the 4th, the week thereof. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? Listen to what Warren Wisby said, commenting on this text that I just read to you. He said this, during the first three and a half years of tribulation, the judgments were natural, 
wars, famines, and earthquakes like we're kind of seeing today. But the last three and a half or the last half judgments will be supernatural and devastating. There will be things happening that's supernatural. You know, like the witnesses there lying in the street and all of a sudden they get up, come to life. And so things like that, supernatural things are going to happen during the tribulation time as well. And so uh, as we get ready to preview the, uh, re- uh, review this and, and preview uh, Rome, uh, Revelation 6 through 19, I want us to understand that. The end of the church, at the end of the church age, there are seven churches. At the end of the church age, the Christians will be raptured up. We're going to look at that in 2 Thessalonians. And then there's going to come a period called the tribulation period as we're going to be studying. And then the first three, and I'll get into this next week, so I'm not going to try to get into all of that. Uh, the dictators, the Antichrist is going to be raised up and all of that. going to be one world order. Everybody's going to see this one person, the Antichrist. They're going to think he's God's gift to humanity. And everybody's going to fall down at his feet. It's going to be unity. There's going to be peace on the earth for three and a half years. Finally got rid of those old Christians, and now we got peace. That right-wing group, they stirred everything up. I wonder what happened to him, by the way. <laughs> I don't see Bradley anymore. I don't see Pastor Dusty, that dude that was yelling and carrying on at Lindsay Lane. I wonder what happened to him, really. I don't care. He's gone. <laughs> peace when there is no peace. God's peace. Now, that's, that's the first part. That's the prophecy of Jesus. Now, I want us to look at this deceiver. I want us to look at this Antichrist. So number two, the coming of the Antichrist. And again, I'll get into more of this in detail as we get into Revelation 6 through 19. But I want us to look at this and, uh, and see how people can be deceived. You say, I don't understand how Satan's going to deceive all these people. Well, think about Jim Jones. Now think about Hitler. Hitler almost deceived a whole nation of Germany. Did he not? This one man... This charismatic guy called Hitler was taking over the world and people were following him, doing inhumane things to people because this man says, hey, let's do it. And so we can see a little insight of how this Antichrist is going to get people all over the world to follow him. That's why he's called the Antichrist. It's against God. It'll be during the tribulation period, the seven-year period. Now, I want you to look at this. The scripture is very clear about this one, this charismatic Antichrist who's going to deceive the world. By the way, he's the rider of the white horse in Revelation 6, 1 through 2, and we'll see next Sunday. He is the rider of that white horse. It's a, it looks like a comparison to Jesus himself because there's a lot of parallels there, the white horse and, you know, getting the crown. He has a crown. But this is Satan. This is the Antichrist. By the way, he's always been an imposter of Jesus. See, he's an imposter of Jesus. And so we're going to see that this, this in uh, Revelations 1 and 2. Uh, this world dictator will lead astray the nations. He'll be the career peacemaker. And he'll sign a covenant, by the way. Signing a covenant. Uh, and so we're going to look at that. Well, there's one, chapter, Daniel chapter 9. The apostle Paul revealed this Antichrist. I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, and look in uh, verse chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, you're going to be hungry for a little Johnny joke when I get into Revelation 6 through 19. It is not going to be pretty. It's going to be kind of redundant in a lot of ways. Because I'm telling you, what I'm going to share with you in Revelation 6 through 19 is not a pretty picture. And so I'm just warning you. As we get into that's why I'm trying to teach this message today. I want you to be prepared and understand the God of judgment. Because somebody's going to say, how in the world would God do that? Why would God allow that? And so we need to understand that. The Antichrist is one reason. And so in this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, watch this. Here it is, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. Now, brethren, that's us, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and gathering together to him. The Greek word there is pararousa. Now, pararousa means a gathering up. That's what we call the rapture. The rapture is not in the Bible. The word rapture is not in there. This is where we get the rapture. It's called pararousa. It's called the, the coming up, the gathering up. Now, watch what he says. Brethren, speaking to Christians, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or the word or by letter, as it's from us, as though the day of the Lord had come. A lot of the Thessalonians were already packing up. They were quitting their jobs. They thought Jesus was coming back right then. He said, "Mm -mm, I didn't send you that letter. I didn't tell you that. There's coming a falling away first, and then the end time will come, but it's not right now, Paul says. So don't be troubled about it. Don't be troubled in your spirit. Now, verse 3. And by the way, let no one deceive you by any means that that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That word would be apostasy. Apostasy means a falling away from God, if you will, are falling away from truth. And by the way, we're seeing apostasy now, a falling away of truth. We're so confused, we don't even know what truth is. Pilate didn't know what is truth. And so we're seeing an apathy and an apostasy against the truth of God. And, and, and Paul says, the end time's not going to come till you start seeing this great apostasy, a falling away of God and His Word. Churches used to be filled Charles Haddon Spurgeon in England used to fill them with thousands of people, and now it's a restaurant or something. So uh, we're uh, falling away. People just don't really care about God and His Word and His church anymore. And so you're going to see it get in, that, in the tribulation time. It's going to be to epic proportion of falling away, if you will. And he said, notice what's going to happen then. The falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. By the way, that's the Antichrist, the son of perdition. He's going to be revealed during that time. Who oppose, Look at him. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. By the way, you know why Lucifer fell out of heaven? Because he wanted to put himself above God. He wanted to be God. That beautiful angel, God kicked him out of heaven. And ever since, he's been wanting to be God. I want to be God. I am God. And so he exalts himself on planet earth above God, and everybody's drawn to him. And his charisma. 
And so that's what's going to happen during the end time. The Antichrist, he opposes and exalts himself above that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Wow. And many, many people, the world is going to be deceived by this Antichrist. And so uh, Jesus even prophesied that, by the way, in John 5, 43. Here's what Jesus said. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Jesus prophesied that. And by the way, a good picture of that was Caesar. Remember the Pharisees, the religious, and ones that followed God? Hey, we have no God but Caesar. Crucify him. Crucify him. And so Jesus predicted There'll be a great falling away, and people won't even follow him anymore. They'll follow this guy, this Antichrist. Let me give you the last one very quickly, the coming great tribulation. Now, I'm going to whet your appetite in about 15 minutes, hopefully 10. Some of you are going, please, 10, please, 10. Let's go for 14, all right? 14 minutes. I'm going to try to whet your appetite. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 9 as we look at the coming tribulation. Number three, the coming tribulation. Now, you've got to study this. I'm telling you, it's kind of confusing if you don't really study behind the scenes, if you will, do some history studying of the Jewish calendar and all of that kind of stuff. You've got to get all of that in, into, into, into the correlation. But I'm telling you, there's enough here, and I want you to see what's happening. The coming tribulation. Now, I want you to, first of all, I'm going to read it. I've already got you turning to Daniel, but listen to Matthew. Let me find it. Matthew, you need to write it on your outline because I meant to read it and I didn't read verse uh, 15. Matthew 24, I was in it a while ago and I stopped at verse 14, but I want you to listen to Matthew 24 and verse number 15. Therefore, Jesus said, when you see the admonition of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, when you see that happening, when you see this admonition of desolation, Spoken of Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, who reads, let him understand. So I want you to see, it's in chapter 9 of Daniel. This is the, the admonition of desolation. And Jesus said, when you see this happening, you know the end time is coming and it's here. Watch this. And now look in chapter, 24, uh, chapter 9, verse number 24. Now, he's speaking here of the 70th week. Now, watch what verse 24 says. Seventy weeks are determined. All right? Seventy weeks. Now, if you look in Hebrew, uh, Hebrew word there for 70 means seven. It's, in other words, instead of a week, it's seven years in the Hebrew word there. And so instead of being 70 weeks, it's 70 years, which would be 490 weeks. And so, or, and so watch what he says. Seventy weeks are determined. What's determined? Look what he says. For your people and for your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins. This is the end time, all right? Watch it. To make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. In this 70-week period, you're going to, these things are going to happen, Jesus said. You're going to put an end to sin. Now, bringing in righteousness, everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy. 
to dot the I and cross the T, if you will, and to anoint the most holy. That would be the most holy person in the most holy place, which would be the new Jerusalem coming down, if you will, and Jesus, the, the, great, the great King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, if you look at that, again, this Hebrew word is a, a week of years. It's re- defining that of seven-year period, which would be 490. Now, look in verse 25. Again, I'm just going to have to walk through this. In verse 25, now therefore, know therefore and understand, he says, that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. This was the time of Nehemiah, if you remember. He went and restored the temple and built Jerusalem back. Until the Messiah came, that would be Jesus, until that time, there shall be 70 weeks and 72 weeks. 69. All right, 69. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troubled times. Now, understand what he's saying here in verse number 25. The total of 40, 69 weeks, he says, which would be 434 years. Now, the question would be, what's happened to those other seven years that equal the 70 weeks, which equals 70, I mean, 490 years? So there is a gap there of seven-year period. Now, that's the 70th week. Now, let's watch this in verse number 26. After, after the 69, the 62, rather, 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince. That would be the Antichrist. Watch this. This is the Antichrist. And the people of the Antichrist who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end of it shall be with the flood. And till the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, if you look at that 70, 62, and we're looking for the 69, there is a, there is a, in the 70th week, you got a total of 69, and there's a week missing there. Now, he explains this in verse 27. Watch what he says in verse 26 and verse 27. Then he says in verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now, this would be that seven-year tribulation period. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of the Antichrist. He's going to have a covenant, if you will, for all of those remaining in this seven-week period or this seven-year period, which we're going to look at. It's called the tribulation. There's three and a half. It's broken down into three and a half different, and we're going to talk about it next Sunday, about the great tribulation. It's the last three and a half. In the first three and a half years is the time of peace where the Antichrist rules and gets all the people following him. And so he's speaking of this 70th week in verse number 27. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's a seven-year period. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifices and offerings. In other words, he's going to be in the temple they're going to be business as usual. Now, these are Jews and Gentiles alike who doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to go through their sacrifices and all of that, and they're going to be worshiping the Antichrist. And all of a sudden, he's going to say, mm, we're going to put an end to all this sacrifice stuff. We're going to put an end to these sacrifices. Now, I want you to watch something, if you will. Turn with me in, uh, over in chapter uh, 11 of Daniel. Daniel chapter 11. Watch this, verse number 31. 
And you need to read chapter 11. I mean, all of Daniel is just really prophecy. And watch uh, verse 31. And forces shall be mustered by him. This is the Antichrist again. Forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress, that they shall fake, uh, take away the daily sacrifices and place, and place there the abomination of desolation. And see, that's going to happen after the three-and-a-half-year period. He's going to take away the sacrifices, and then he's going to present the desolation, abomination of desolation when all hell is going to break out on the earth. And that's what we're going to look at in chapter 6 through 19 is the great tribulation period. And we're going to talk about that. It'll it'll explain more of Daniel. And this prophecy you're seeing in Daniel is going to be fulfilled in that 70th week, the 70th week of the seven-year period called the tribulation period. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. The prophet said to him, God said to Daniel, he said, seal the book until the time of the end. Daniel prophesied about the Antichrist, about the seven-week tribulation. And God told him, I want you to seal this book until the end time comes. And so the end time is in Revelations 6 through 19. Let me close with this. Again, about 12 minutes. Let me close with this. God is a God of love. Don't ever forget that. And by the way, don't ever doubt it. I'm I'm living proof that God's a God of forgiveness. God's a God of love. I mean, you've heard my testimony, most of it. There's a lot more. The things that I've done, I'm ashamed of the sins I've committed. And so what's the consequences of all those sins you committed? Well, I reaped some of them, but God forgave me of all of them. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend eternity, all of time, ever and ever and ever and forever with him. That's what it means. Because I gave him my life, this God of love, this God of forgiveness. But it's also a side of God we don't talk much about, and that's the God of wrath, the God of justice, and the God of judgment. If I'm going to believe God, if I'm going to trust him with all of my heart, I've got to believe his word is true. That means the good part of the grace and mercy and forgiveness, but I also got to believe the part about his justice and his judgment. Because he's going to be true to all of his word. Amen? If he's not, then I don't want to worship him. If he's not consistent to his word, if he doesn't believe what he says, then why would I want to worship that? But I believe with all of my heart, he's the God of his word. And everything in that word is going to come to pass. And I believe that. I've got confidence in it. But I'm not going to have to go through that tribulation period because I'm a Christian. I'm going to be raptured up. Now, here's a question. Here's a question. Are you? Are you a Christian? What does that mean? Well, I come to church, I pray, I read the Bible. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That's not what that means. A Christian means you're Christ-like. It means you have Christ living in you and you're living in him. That's what it means. And if you've never had a time in your life where you gave Christ, said, right, come into my life, save me, change me. And you've never done that, then you need to do that right now. We don't know when we're going to be raptured. We really don't, but it's going to happen. It could happen any moment. It could happen. 
And so I'm going to encourage you to come during this invitation. Maybe you want to be saved. We'd love to tell you how you can be saved, how you can know you belong to Jesus. We'll tell you that. That's why we have people here, pastors, that'll help you. And they take counselors will take you and share with you that. That's what you want to know. Maybe you say, I want to join the church. I'm a Christian. God's led us to Lindsay Lane. We moved to this area. We would love to be part of this church that preaches the truth, that lives the truth, teaches the truth. We want to be a part of this kind of church. Then you just come down. Same thing. You say, I want to join the church. We're going to give you somebody. They're going to get, back, get some information about you. Simple as that. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. It can't get any easier than that. If you've got to be serious about it, though, or maybe you are a Christian, you've got some things going on, you want to come to this altar and pray. You see that every week. Many people come to the altar and just pray. I would encourage you to do that. But whatever you need to do, this is God's invitation. It's not my invitation. It's God's invitation. I preach the word. I'm through. God has to take over. God has to draw you. God's got to speak to your heart. And by the way, if he is and you deny it, shame on you. There's coming a time the Bible says my spirit only strive for so long. You can keep quenching the spirit and keep saying, nah, 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 nah. And then you won't even feel anything anymore. The Spirit won't be drawing you. I don't know when that time comes. It happened to Saul, didn't it? Didn't even realize the Spirit had left him. I'm going to ask you, be serious today. As we get into tri- in this tribulation period, you need to be serious. Today would be a great day to get right with Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for speaking truth into our heart. Let us read the Word of God. Let us search the Word of God to what it says to us personally. And I pray today that we would respond to the Holy Spirit, Lord, that Paul responded to, that the disciples responded to, Pastor Dusty responded to, everybody that comes to Jesus comes by your Holy Spirit drawing them. And I pray you would speak, O Lord, speak mightily into the hearts of your people today. And I pray, even those watching by live stream, they would kneel down right where they are and invite Jesus Christ to come into their heart. And those who are here today would not be afraid, would not be embarrassed, but they would just come down this aisle and say, hey, I'm ready to do what God's drawing me to do. And I'm praying for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? I'm going to ask you to come. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. If you want somebody to come with you, just ask them. Go with me. Just go down there with me. They'll do it. It's your time right now. If God's speaking to your heart, I would encourage you greatly to come. As we sing, will you come? I'm giving you my heart.